Chapter Fifteen of the Night Side of New York by members of the New York Press. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Our All Night Eating Houses by a Flunky. Not much of an education, thank ye, not being posted up in the literary way, but have travelled round the world. It was by water, you can take your affidavit, being born the son of a sea cook and instructed in my parents' line of business from roast dog or baby chowder at new zealand to beefsteak rare and wheel pie plenty of crust which last order always gives me a lively recollection of kittens while the first renders visible a nice old gentleman who was short of teeth among other trifles and who made the invariable remark when i was unfortunate enough to wait on him right off the horns i'll bet my head I've had my share of misfortunes, roaming round the world like a rolling stone that gathers no moss, but what cooked my goose to a turn was Sarah Jane, whom I wooed and wedded, thinking her an angel, when she turned out the reverse, for she eloped one day with my particular friend Jenkins, who had the mortal assurance to borrow my best Sunday breeches to do the job in. Instead of letting her slide, as a sensible man would, I took to drinking whiskey straight, and I soon lost my berth in a first-class dining saloon, where I was the admiration of the guests, for nothing short of a steam engine could beat me in giving or taking orders, and was obliged to take a situation at an all-night house in Centre Street, kept by a man who was recognized by the public as Pop Clark and whose ambition never rose above pork and beans and cold corned ham to be sure there was a roast chicken in the window but bless your unsophisticated heart it was only a sign he was preserved like an egyptian mummy with pepper and spices and so old that samson could not have pulled him apart with a pair of pincers you can bet your life when anybody inquired the price of that chicken he was just sold. But one night some rowdies made a foray on the premises, and the venerable relic disappeared. It was the foul proceeding that busted up the establishment of Pop Clark. Five and twenty years ago there stood a three-story and attic mansion on the corner of Franklin and Center Street, known far and wide as the Break of Day House. Do I know the Duke of Kasiak? Certainly. Am I acquainted with Count No Count? To be sure I am. They were prime customers of the Break of Day House, and made fearful havoc on its ham sandwiches and pickled tongues, and then picked their teeth on the steps of the Astor or Globe Hotel. A stranger could have any quality of refreshment he desired at the Break of Day. I've known em, Mr. Editor, to mix a dozen kinds of drinks out of the same bottle and i believe if a man had called for pate de foie gras that's about as near the name as my french will allow though in plain english it's nothing more nor less than a pie made out of the livers of diseased geese it would have been served up to him at the shortest notice booth the tragedian wandered in there one night and being sociably intoxicated went through the tent scene of richard to the great edification of the crowd and the girls from Leighton and Ketchy's dance house who patronized the establishment to a great extent. 
there was always a lively game of three-penny ante bluff going on in the back room and there were some amiable gentlemen of leisure ever ready to teach the unsophisticated the mysteries of the little joker now mr author you are going to give my experience as a flunky you must do it in a readable sort of a way for as i said before i am mighty short of book learning and i am determined never to put a blot on the profession my energy and perseverance to get along in the world i must say was commendable i don't think i was ever more industrious in my life than while employed at the break of day my worthy boss gave me all the instruction my merit deserved i was always ready to take a fourth hand at bluff and i soon learned to pull from the bottom and deal short faro out of hand my ambition was to rise and such was my tact and talent that i have frequently wrung the three cold decks of an evening confidence jake who was one of our patrons said i was worthy of a gold medal and confidence jake was a man of experience and a first-class sporter to be sure he fetched up to sing sing but wasn't napoleon sent to santa lena what is sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander and there was not the difference of one of buttercake dick's crullers who done a famous all-night business in a cellar on spruce street between nassau and william there was the next round turn where fortune brought me to and i must allow that my dignity felt lowered a peg at being ordered about by ragged paper vendors and nothing gave me a gleam of consolation except jenkins who came in one january night with the toes of his boots out and rather uncomfortably attired in a linen duster and who inquired if his credit was good for three butter cakes and a cup of coffee to which i responded william where is my sarah jane he recognized me on the instant as the injured husband whom he had so foully wronged and muttered through his set teeth she's bolted now don't you think you are a nice man for a small tea-party i suggested with a withering smile to come here and ask tick for grub of a man from whom you stole his wife and sunday breeches he was positively dumbfoundered at this sarcasm and in that state i seized him by the throat and shook him till his teeth chattered and finally ended by kicking him into the street without his making the slightest resistance mr author i felt as happy at that moment as if i held four aces against a king full buttercup dick did a thriving business being patronized by all the newsboys about town and i must say that he was an amiable sort of a boss having only two weaknesses inflammatory rheumatism and a strong desire to go to fancy dress balls in soldier uniform if a ball of that character was advertised when dick was obliged to use crutches it made him decidedly grapey sometimes our class of customers varied to a large extent i have known aldermen and politicians of every grade to drop in at all hours of the night and who no doubt being stalled on roast turkey and turtle soup made a banquet on butter cakes and coffee that seemed to agree with their constitutions admirably at election times our custom from tammany hall alone has often amounted to ten dollars a night 
it might have been a little unpleasant for them to set at the same table with the gentleman in hard luck but who had seen the day he was as good as ever he was and it must have rankled deep in their patriotic bosoms to hear themselves quoted by the newsboys as third-rate sardines and they only patronized dick's saloon because the butter cakes were almost as big as bolivar's what a man couldn't learn at dick's wasn't worth knowing for the newsboys are as sharp as steel traps and what the most of them drop down is a valuable consideration to pick up i have not the slightest doubt my education was much improved at buttercake dick's but the best of friends must tear themselves apart and an increase of salary placed me as a fixture in an all-night house on west broadway there was a gambling room overhead and a lager beer saloon in the cellar that accommodated lady boarders of questionable morals for they sang flash songs and indulged in free fights on the most trivial occasions the windows were set off with red and white curtains in shape like a fan and though no one person ever seemed to visit the establishment a second time i think the dutch landlord whom the girls called boss must have laid by money and i am willing to bet an oyster supper that any fat goose who went in there would be sure to come out a plucked gosling the sign over his door was the sailor's home and all nations retreat and i think that most of his patrons were taken in and done for the business he followed was not quite so extensive then as it is at present and more poetical names have been adopted since lager became a standing drink mercer green and worcester streets are lined with rosebuds emeralds and even beehives with an occasional sprinkling of miss julia's laura's and seraphina's to fascinate the unwary who are not posted up in that kind of new york luxury take one piece of advice from an old flunky if you ever want to visit such establishments from curiosity leave your wallet at home on the piano or you'll wish you had some of the lady charmers have very attractive fingers and can weed a pocket-book much better than they know how to darn stockings as i have informed you before mr author there was a gambling room kept over our restaurant and the proprietor was a short thick-set man who dealt faro at twelve dollars and a half limits and who was known among his companions as slippery jarvey i never see any one pull the cards from the box with equal dexterity and when the bank made a winning deal to hear him talk horse was the most refreshing conversation i think i ever had the pleasure to listen to there never was a race says jarvey that came out so even before in fact gentlemen it was neck and neck clean up to the judge's stand and there wasn't a hair's breadth between the brown filly and the gray horse bet nine loses gentlemen and the ace wins not a cop on the ace let me see gentlemen where was i in my story i don't know where you was said the player who had gone for his last check on the nine but i know where i wish you had been sent before you commenced the last deal and that is to it's against my morals to mention the place mr author but i never heard of anybody wearing an overcoat in that country 
jarvey paid no attention to such compliments of which he received a large supply from most of the players in the classic language of west broadway when he made a losing deal he barred horse and talked sick headache and i have known hard-hearted individuals who bucked against the tiger wish that it might fall in two pieces or might split apart at the very moment his pile was lowering with a most fearful rapidity the tappy frank was a jolly house in its day but the west broadway crib could give it a chalk in the game i recollect one night when spanish joe was broke he made a remark that beat any mathematics that i had ever heard of he had been watching the pot and it win through the deal without ary cent on either the six seven or eight he says while the tears stood in his eyes there if any man had a put down a tin whistle in the pot it would have run to a wagon load of fish horns such a tact for figures showed that joe's education had not been trifled with he was an industrious and worthy young man with an ambition to pull from the bottom that i never saw excelled he was never a member of congress wore a white necktie that made him look like a parson and died with a hasty consumption he had a lively appetite for oysters when in luck and complained of indigestion when he was dead broke one day death caught him on the turn and he pegged out when the game upstairs was red-hot the gay gamboliers would sometimes set four and twenty hours at a stretch and it was about the only thing that i had against my situation i was continually compelled to be running up and down stairs with their orders it seemed to me that they ate drank and slept at the table and i have often almost let the dishes drop with laughter to hear the expressions they would make use of when they were bucking in hard luck there i go again flop on the turn there i come again mr dealer pay me pay me tens a bet and nary cent to it there i go again on the bet ace there comes up my gentleman jack jack spratt would eat no fat and his wife would eat no lean pay me pay me mr dealer tickle me tickle me tickle me do tickle me and i'll tickle you this was about the usual run of the conversation at jarvey skinner and co's and things went on smooth enough till one night an unfortunate young man who had not made a winning deal for some weeks and who during that time had been a heavy loser took it into his foolish head to blow his brains out and what is most remarkable they landed on the ace king square where not a check was down though it win plumb through and against an unlimited game a dollar would have paroled to a hundred thousand as easy as winking at the moment the pistol went off i had just entered the room with a dozen raw two toasts and a beefsteak and onions but the gentleman who gave the orders disappeared before the smoke of the pistol cleared away and i found myself surrounded by half a dozen peelers and one of them demanded of me who had done the foul and bloody deed his self i reckon he blowed out his brains because the cards run rough the chaps who patronize the saloon have all cut their lucky but at any rate i had nothing to do with it 
and was only filling some orders that came downstairs to the saloon where i am employed they whispered together for a moment as though they were plotting mischief and the same man who spoke before said young man we will have to detain you as a witness till after the coroner holds an inquest unless you can give bail for your appearance at court he may have blowed out his own brains or he may not i rather think he has but that don't alter the case you must put on your coat and go with us to the station house i felt comparatively easy for i knew that the boss could not well dispense with my services and if he did go back on me why i had confidence jake still left who was ready to go bail for a highway robbery or murder for say the sum of twenty-five dollars down on the nail the boss stuck to me like a true man and as there was no charge against me having entered the room a second or two too late i was not an important witness and was discharged immediately after the coroner's jury gave in their verdict of suicide as i have always had a lively impression of ghosts i did not feel easy in my situation after the occurrence took place and i believe the gamblers were as superstitious as myself for they immediately removed their game to other quarters without this impediment i was suited well enough for i used to have lots of fun with the girls who visited the theatres and we done our most thriving trade with that class between the hours of one and two in the morning the boss liked their custom for they invariably paid promptly for what they had except they came in lush after having indulged in a fight with their lovers when their cuttings up sometimes beat tiger cats all to nothing some of them looked the most delicate creatures in the world but ate and drank like longshoremen one night in thomas street a young girl who used to visit our place was murdered with a hatchet the coroner's jury could not make out who was the guilty party who done the deed but suspicion always pointed to her lover who had been trying some time to get rid of her but which act on his part she strongly opposed story writers have always maintained that helen j was beautiful and possessed a good education when the fact is mr author she could scarcely write her own name had a pug nose and drank like a fish i only mention these facts to show how a story stretches under extraordinary circumstances for i deplored her sad fate as much as my feelings would allow since sarah jane blunted them against the fair sex and i must say she was good-hearted and spent her money free and never took a drink at our saloon without asking me to have something along the city has changed greatly mr author since i first took up the occupation of a night waiter twenty years ago there were two large dining saloons open all night in chatham street at which lodgers were also accommodated at the rate of twelve and a half cents per night and as some twenty or thirty were generally stowed away in each room if a stranger escaped in his shirt in the morning he might consider himself in a comfortable state of convalescence no tamer bedbugs existed in new york the rooms smelled of liver and fried onions and the houses were so well patronized by knucks and cracksmen that the landlords never took any responsibility if you asked are all things safe they would reply 
you must run your chances and keep a sharp lookout do you suppose we can afford to keep watchmen at twelve and a half cents per night the biggest trouble i ever saw two men in was at one of those houses a knuck had seized upon one of each of their boots and there did not seem any way to accommodate the matter as the smallest man of the two wore number sevens while the larger individual could not get along with less than number twelves there was another house in the vicinity of the old franklin theatre where a motley crowd used to assemble three nights in the week and raffle for poultry the proprietor was a fat man and one of the most thrifty and prudent individuals i ever met with his percentage was a quarter out of each pot and a chance so that he generally had all the money and most of the poultry about two o'clock in the morning the man who attended to the game for him was called singing bill and as he shared with the landlord he wore the glossiest hat and finest clothes that the tailor could make up something occurred to close the game and singing bill having plenty of leisure time commenced bucking against the tiger and such was his hard fortune that in a month's space his extra wardrobe had dwindled down to a pair of shoestrings talking of shoestrings puts me in mind of chauncey j one of the finest confidence men of the age a comrade one day came into the tappy frank where chauncey was engaged at the game of faro how do you get along old top said his friend splendid said chauncey i have just run a shoestring up to ten dollars the next deal the cards ran rough and his friend again inquired how do you fight your men now chauncey rocky was the reply i have just run ten dollars down to a shoestring the mercer and green street eating houses are patronized by the girls of the town and their lovers they are mostly fitted up with private boxes where those who visit can have a sociable conversation all alone by themselves about the arts and sciences the drama or any other refreshing subject the price of each dish is about double what it is at taylor's or delmonico's it is about as singular that it takes from ten to a dozen damsels to tend the rainbow and forget-me-not cigar saloons in canal street although i am willing to bet that the boxes in the window are only a stall and that with so many clerks they never have more than a thousand cigars on hand along the avenues private box saloons can be found at most of the street corners above sixteenth street i've worked in several of em and know the ropes such bewitching creatures of sweet seventeen as i have seen going into them places with venerable old gentlemen as any outsider would have taken to be their respectable papas when in fact they was everything else why i couldn't begin to count em in a week of sundays i can't say that the damsels are delicate as a general thing i recollect once serving a charming young creature who had a bald-headed old fogey in tow with six pig's feet and two plates of pickled tripe i don't say nothing of the whisky skins she punished in the meantime they was beyond counting the gentleman's bill was only seven dollars and he had the audacity to grumble i had half a mind to punch his venerable head and i'll bet i could have licked him if he had been twice as old 
the lovely creature quieted him by saying the bill was just right bless her pretty pig's feet appetite and he went off with her like a lamb to the slaughter i think as the son of a sea-cook i am no disgrace to the profession and i can cut carve and come again with the best of em why i even paid something handsome to attend lectures on the art of cooking given by a french count in distress who was obliged to distribute his education in that manner at a quarter a pop what he told us about the noble rum ones and their happy appetites astonished us more than any twenty-seventh street ghost ever could you can bet your pile on that he told us about one Whitlayus, who hankered after nightingale's tongues and peacock's brains to such an alarming extent that he run through twenty millions in the course of a year and then there was helgoblius who made the people do all their work in the night-time and sleep through the day bully that noble rum one for the night saloons and who et himself up in three years for he didn't have a single nickel left to buy a red herring there is a heap of difference mr author in eating-house customers and as the saying is when one is in turkey he has to do as the turkeys do i picked up a flunkey's education though i do say it myself astonishing quick i knowed as soon as my eye was fixed on a gentleman with a red neckerchief yellow-spotted vest and a crape around his tile that if he fancied fish-balls he would order in the dulcet tones of mackerelville a plate of siamese twins to the great horror of listening countrymen everybody knows that pork and beans goes by the name of woodcock in the most aristocratic houses but i doubt if there are many aware that hash is known to all the rounders as boned turkey corduroy and west broadway give us a plate of tennessee and be quick about it means nothing more nor less than hot corn-bread and irish goose is codfish baked or boiled the appearance of night eating-houses varies as much mr editor as the changes of the thermometer down water street way the signs are generally painted with a spread eagle on one end and a ship on the other italian images generally say grace over the pig's trotters and pickled tripe and there are lots of pictures around of black-eyed susan and the sailor ashore in my youthful days of happy innocence my parent and myself used to board at the water street cellars while the ship was being discharged among the english houses i have occasionally taken a turn as a flunkey but i can't say that toasted cheese and aff and aff agreed with my constitution it would have had to have been as strong as that of the united states to stand any length of time those red-faced john bowles with husky voices who generally take a sociable drink by themselves and roar out waiter when they want a cigar lighter i can't say as i'm partial to lady flunkies either and it's worse that they are handsome and have winning ways it is astonishing how a pair of blue eyes and a waterfall will entice the gents to spread themselves in the way of orders i know a cove whose ambition never soared above corned beef and cabbage with one of my sex that would lavish his money in the most ridiculous manner 
on oyster pie and plum both kinds whenever he was waited upon by a feminine i am sorry to say that the boss took a base advantage of his weakness and sent the most fascinating crinoline we had on hand to take his orders flunkies have their feelings and mine have been hurt on several occasions i recollect that a young man requested me in the hearing of a couple of hundred diners to drive another chicken through his bowl of soup and the stale joke of diving for a bean is familiar to every flunkey's ear where do i work now why at a broadway saloon bang up on the square and no private boxes i have risen in the world and the rolling stone has begun to gather a small morsel of moss sarah jane is a phantom that has nearly vanished from my memory i am in with a policeman on our beat and the other day he said he was happy to inform me that jenkins had taken a six months residence on blackwell's island as an intolerable wegrant cuss him no i won't tis noble to forgive i have cut the duke of kasiak and the count no count is doing five years at sing sing for tapping a till coming sir yes sir beef a la mode spring chicken shatter crabs porterhouse steak large bottle of heidsick there's an order for a small tea party and the way we do business at our saloon when i receive such commands mr author i am thankful to kind fortune that i stand in the proud position of a flunkey End of chapter fifteen